The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guests' own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of AIHA. AIHA does not endorse any guest or the entity that they represent. On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, Fostering Global Safety, AIHA's International Committee's efforts to support OEHS professionals and worker health in developing countries. Welcome to another episode of Healthier Workplaces. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Media and your host for this program from AIHA. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Paula Steven, and this is my husband, Sean Hewitt. There we are. Yes, that's our little logo, shown smaller than the large corporations, but it's there right next to the Workplace Health Without Borders logo. This all started as something silly and fun, really. When we made a small donation and found out that even with a donation as small as the one we made, our logo could be on all the swag. We didn't have a logo at the time, so we made one. You've probably wondered about industrial hygienists at Half Draft Acres, as you saw us flashed on all the screens at both face-to-face -face conferences and virtual ones. Well, here we are, just the two of us, two IHs, making a difference a tiny bit at a time. Industrial hygiene is close to our hearts. We both have a proud history of reducing injuries by ensuring workplace exposure levels aren't exceeded. And we care about what the future holds since the average professional is about 43 years old and since fewer students seem to be joining us, it's important to advance the profession by contributing to a scholarship that funds education and professional development in this field. again from AIHCE 23 in Phoenix, Arizona for the Healthier Workplaces show. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine and Media and your host for the Healthier Workplaces show. Um, again, we're continuing our coverage uh, with some live interviews from the expo floor. To welcome our guests uh, for this special segment of the show. Uh, we have Lucinette Alvarado and uh, Lawrence Sprecheff. Thank yes. you very much. Uh, close enough? Yes. <laughs> nice, nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, anyway, thank you. So, so now that we now that we got that that awkward uh, bad introduction part out of the way, um, you're here to talk about the international committee. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so I guess first off, you know, uh, international OEHS professionals uh, may have some unique uh, challenges, right? Particularly in some of the developing nations mm -hmm. where maybe there's not a lot of regulatory health and safety mandates, right? Mm -hmm. and yes. So you, some of the stuff's voluntary. Um, so I guess I, I'm going to pose this to both of you. We need either you can take the lead on it. Uh, shed some light on specific challenges that uh, some of these professionals in these emerging nations might encounter, and uh, you know some of the 
the impact that might have on worker health and safety. Okay. So, Lawrence, um, I can talk about Latin America and you can talk about the other parts of the world? Sure. Okay. All right. So, in Latin America, what I've seen, um, the, the biggest challenges are, like, the lack of resources. Um, most most of these countries are um, development uh, underdevelopment countries. So the the lack of information and resources related to occupational health and safety um, for some of those regions are non-existent. Um, and then with that being said, then the c there are communication gaps too. Um, that because it's not known, therefore it's not being communicated and added to the fact that it could be also a language barrier if you know if, if there's like um, communication between other countries um, like United States and, and so forth um, so that's kind of like the the biggest um, challenges that I see in Latin America Lauren so what do you see in the other regions okay thanks Lucinette. a fundamental starting point if you talk to workers from developing countries, is the hunger for knowledge. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're working in a field, working in a factory or a mine, you know as a worker that there are health and safety challenges. To articulate solutions, and workers have a lot of solutions, to mm -hmm. articulate those solutions Knowledge is necessary. There's a hunger for knowledge. And that's where AIHA comes in. Mm -hmm. Because we have specific programs through our entire organization, and in particular within the International Affairs Committee, to supply knowledge mm -hmm. and mentoring to those who want to gain the knowledge and the ability, the technical solutions, to prevent occupational diseases, accidents and fatalities mm -hmm. well it's it's a hunger for knowledge yeah. Yeah. that i'm speaking to okay. hunger for knowledge okay um just, oh, just ha having the information and knowing what what questions yeah. to ask what to look for mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. yeah which is common in latin america so as you can see there's there's a pattern worldwide that that lack of resources that lack of knowledge because you know the the occupation may be not known therefore Every, everything can happen <laughs> in, sure. the, in the industries or agriculture or construction throughout the world. So you could have a, an open pit copper, copper mine mm. in Mongolia, in Chile, Chile. Yeah. You, you, you've got artisanal gold mining in throughout Africa. There are specific hazards to those industries, really obnoxious acids that separate the ore and separate out the metal, metal okay. of interest. And if workers don't know how obnoxious those chemicals are and how hazardous they are, they have no means for controlling them. Mm -hmm. So occupational and environmental health and safety professionals, we have that knowledge to transmit on how to protect yourself. Certain types of gloves are good. Certain types of gloves are just barriers that are going to break down. Mm -hmm. Certain types of eye protection uh, might help, but if you're just wearing them for cosmetic purposes, they might not protect you from a chemical splash. That's where we come in 
as yes. professionals to transmit that knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's the starting point. We have knowledge to transmit. They have experience. They, they need that knowledge to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And in between that is the responsibility of the different companies who employ them. Yes. Sure. And, and, and that's, a, that's a big point right there, right? Mm -hmm. Because are the, what incentivizes these companies in, in some of these areas to actually pursue worker health and safety other than maybe enhanced profit if it would yield that for them? Yeah, that, well, the, the incentive um, in some countries is non-existent. So yeah, um, do, doing the right thing is exactly it, it should be an incentive, but it's exactly not necessarily yeah, right. yeah yeah because it all depends on on money in many of these sure. countries right sure. and also the government um, some some countries are depending on that that government um, the type of government that they run the country right so it, at times I mean it get it gets very challenging um, through, through many reasons um, to get to get the 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 corporations on the type of industries to do their due diligence because unless it's right it's not it's regulated okay sure. but when it's not then it's like it depends on that culture or, or the on, on the, on the uh, health and safety part of it obviously you, you know in north america in the eu you know in in a, in a lot of areas they're they're fairly regulated worker health mm -hmm. and safety is mm -hmm. it's mandated you know it's not mm -hmm. uncommon I mean, mm -hmm. you, you would have that uh, but in, like you said, in some of the emerging countries, that's not necessarily the case. They don't necessarily have those regulations. So in absence of some sort of a regulatory mandate, what incentivize companies, you know, what will incentivize companies to actually pursue worker health and safety, I guess? You know, it's like, what, uh, how, do we, how, do, how do we make those situations better for workers? What's, what's the path there? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, that's a, that's a great question um, because that's that's one of my main challenges um, within uh, each country um, because it's like there's no if it's not highly regulated as you said then well, what should we do right so it, it I guess it will depend on the the culture within the company and um, what type of goals they have and also like. The, their approach to to health and safety. Unfortunately, in many cases, the lack of resources and the lack of knowledge, then you know that they're, they're not existent. But I could I could um, I can give you an example. Um, Guatemala. I've been in Guatemala um, like around two weeks or so ago uh, for the Pan American Congress, and I've been like studying what's going on in Guatemala just to have a better understanding on the country and the health safety aspects of it and they do have regulations they do however um, they don't they don't have necessarily like exposure limits so I mean you can read the whole regulation and it's just like yeah maintain a health and safety environment so, so, it's, so it's very abstract it's kind of super ab so yeah very so, abstract. So, yeah, so they say we have regulations but there's nothing really to enforce to because you don't have numbers or exactly like and then I've been talking to the professionals um, during that Congress and they share that the, the the occupation per se is not existent there is a regulation but at times they feel lost because they know that they need to do something but they don't know how to do it Right, and then um, the, 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 the occupational health and safety um, profession um, does not exist necessarily. And then they rely on occupational medicine or the health 
professionals to handle those type of situations, which is very interesting. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's totally different, really. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Lawrence talk about the hunger. So the hunger of knowledge. So they do in Guatemala. They need. They they're very very hungry. Is, is this on the part of the, of the workforce, or is this on the part of the employers, or both? Both. Because the employers mm -hmm. actually are showing some responsibility there. Yes. Yes, it's in both. Yes. So uh, for the last decade and a half, I've mainly worked in construction, infrastructure construction, which means um, a uranium mine, building the infrastructure, processing plants, the roadways for a uranium mine didn't have the uranium exposure per se because we weren't in the mine. Sure. Right? Um, building hydroelectric dams in various countries, Indonesia, Niger, uh, Pakistan, the island of Fiji. Some of these countries had very highly developed safety engineering regulations. Indonesia's one. They're exceptional. In fact, I'm going to state that for something like fall protection, the Indonesian regulation is the best I've seen. Wow. Okay. Safety engineering. Excellent. Their ability to prevent and quantify exposures to obnoxious chemicals. I just used the word, I, I'm not even going to say hazardous, I'll say obnoxious. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I right. caught that earlier that you're using that term. Obnoxious chemicals. They don't have, uh, let's see, does Indonesia, I don't remember specifically about Asia, uh, Indonesia, but the other countries that I mentioned, they have virtually nothing in the field of disease prevention regulations. <laughs> Where they do it's very weak. Now in a couple of places, for example, Fiji and Niger in Africa, Niger. Um, my experience tells me that is a direct relic of colonialism. You would think that that would be gone, but it, it's not. They haven't, the governments haven't caught up or don't have the ability to catch up. And something Lucinette said about the medical profession mm -hmm. is particularly applicable. Many occupational diseases like silicosis, mesothelioma from uh, asbestos, these types of things, they take one, two, three decades to develop. Sure, very long latency. That's mm -hmm. exactly so. The latency period is quite long. So I'm working on a construction project. Right in front of our face is helping people to defy gravity not fall to the ground and break their head or break sure. their leg or, or whatever. Right in front of our face, electrical hazards. Right in front of our face, confined space, stuff that's immediately dangerous to life and health, IDLH conditions. Mm -hmm. For people in our business, right in our face, that's relatively easy to solve. Now sure. consider this. Somebody's grinding cement, grinding concrete, silica exposures, very difficult for us to quantify that. Regulations aren't there. The desire to do that stuff isn't necessarily there from the regulatory agencies. If the regulatory agencies even show up. Mm -hmm. Right, right. 
And even if we develop that stuff for the two or three years, we're there on the construction site. I'm speaking from an employer perspective. Even if we document that, we write that down, we put it in our records, and we send it off to the medical doctors, what are they going to do with it in 10 years? It ain't going to be there. Right. Because they don't have an infrastructure to treat and develop, to follow and do the epidemiology for chronic diseases. That's a challenge. Well, yeah, I can see where it would be. But, I, you know, one of the other points that just jumped in my mind here is, you know, you know, even if they, you know, they don't have that much in the way of regulation, and how much do they have in the way of regulatory enforcement? <laughs> you know, because you know, if you don't have that much in, in the actual regulations, are there that many people in the field that would even attempt to enforce what they have? They are fr they are afraid. Yes, <laughs> they they are afraid because it depends on on the type of government, depends on the type of economy. They may have consequences if they you know if they get like um, speak out. They they're they're scared of speaking out uh, for the most part. Mm -hmm. In the island of Fiji, now this goes back a decade. Um, we had a uh, um, a serious accident on site. The uh, the inspector did drive the two or three hours it took to get there. He examined. He took about two or three hours to see what we were doing, our company, uh, which was a Chinese company, and I was the HSE manager for that Chinese company. He took the time to examine what we were doing to investigate that incident, to make sure that the worker was going to survive, hospital care, all those things. And he looked at his watch and he said, Lawrence, um, you guys are doing the best you can. You're doing better than anybody else on the island can do. And I've got other more important business to attend to, to with companies that are not doing what you guys have the capacity to do. And he was gone. Wow. Now, those were local companies that he had to deal with. So as an international contractor, I was fortunate um, to be working with a company that said, we respect Fiji law, we respect Niger law, we respect Indonesia law. If we, when we go beyond that, we do that. I was fortunate as a professional to ha be in that situation. That doesn't mean it happens every place. It doesn't, does it? It doesn't. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a good segue into what AIHA's International Affairs Committee is doing, what, you know, what's, what, what have you been up to? What's on the horizon? What are some of your goals and, you know, your both short-term and uh, long-term objectives and what you're doing with that? With that okay. Um, so, Lawrence, because um, I was the, the AIHA board liaison for the International Affairs Committee. Um, my term just ended um, now, but uh, what I could see from, from the outer side of the committee, um, they these are a very active committee, um, and they're working with a lot of projects and a lot of outreach um, to, to promote the profession and also to get in contact with the sister organizations um, worldwide, you know, for example, Australia and then um, in Europe, et cetera. So Lawrence was the chair, right? You were the chair, now past mm -hmm. chair <laughs> of the committee. So um, he can provide a little bit more um, th some of those projects mm -hmm. or, or the, the outreach that you guys are doing. Okay, so. The International Affairs Committee of the AIHA um, 
is is designed to bring the advantages of AIHA mm -hmm. members membership to people in developing and other countries. So uh, in the last few years, we've established a situation where anyone from a developing country, and developing country, it, there's a criteria. The criteria is according to World Bank criteria for developing countries. So if you're a student from a developing country, you can join the AIHA for 10 US dollars. <laughs> Which is a lot of money, though. To yes. some it can be a lot of money. Yep. Yeah. So one of the challenges we just had was we have an active member for a number of years, but in his particular country, in a former French colony in Africa, um, processing uh, U.S. dollars was difficult for him. Okay, we, we can overcome that. We found a way to overcome that. And that's one of the things we do because we know that there are people in developing countries who have certain... Uh, challenges like the one I just outlined. So we're a friendly committee. <laughs> we want people like this to come to the AIHA. So 10 bucks, 10 US dollars for a working professional, $25 a year. All right. Now, what do they get with that? They not only get membership, a discounted membership, discounted fees for the essential knowledge bases of occupational hygiene. That includes the white book. It's about that thick, right? It's, it's almost like the Bible. Uh, various PDFs of different for different topics. For example, AIHA has a published uh, a short document on um, preventing, preventing asbestos exposure or um, ventilation for schools really important things like that you get for free critically mentoring mentoring is built into that Todd ten dollar so um, I, you know, I got personally I, I was thrilled when I got contacted by a young woman working in an open pit copper mine in Mongolia she said would you be my mentor right. Wow and here's the flip side of that Bob I'm learning so much from her. Oh, sure. Well, as well, the that's young the way those professional. Work, though. Yes. That's the way it works. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. uh, and that's true, w w you know, as a teacher, too. T you know, you, when you're instructing, you, learn, you do learn from your students if you have an open mind. Mm -hmm. If you have an open mind. And that's what we try to push in the International Affairs Committee. So th is those things about gaining members for the AIHA, not just to make the AIHA a big organization. We have resources they need that mm -hmm. hunger for knowledge. Yeah. And I want to add two more things uh, from my International Affairs Committee. Um, they have the Ambassadors Program. Okay. This is a program <coughs> where there's a, a representative for a, a specific country. Um, it's pretty much um, they're going to provide updates on what's happening in that country from an occupational health and safety perspective. So, no, and then in, in the meetings that they have, um, you know, one or two of those ambassadors uh, present a report. Like, this is what they're doing, this is activities, events, etc. Um, so we have a pretty good list of ambassadors. We're, we're, they're looking for three, uh, for Brazil, uh, for Mexico, and Puerto Rico. So um, hopefully we'll, we'll get those uh, fulfilled soon. And the last thing I want to mention uh, for this um, topic is the micro-grants. 
right? Yes, which so, is. So what are those? Yeah, but micrograms, it's kind of like it's it, and Lawrence, you can pitch in too. Um, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a, like a donation, like like a some type of like a grant, right? Like amount of money that is allocated for a specific project within that country. Okay, but this is not like we give it. We give this to anybody. So you have to go through a process. So whomever um, would like to participate or go through that process or interested in a microgrant, they have to submit a form. And then they have to describe the project and all the, the logistics behind it for that form. Submit it. And there is a committee, right, um, Lawrence, that they evaluate those projects and then they decide who will get um, those, those microgrants. And then they have to they have to like follow up with them, right? They have to report. Um, yep. Lawrence, yeah. So within the AA, we have the International <coughs> Affairs Committee, and the Microgrants Committee is a parallel volunteer committee. Yes. Five hundred buck, five hundred dollar grant to some worthwhile project. Let's say in <coughs> uh, in 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 Bangladesh for uh, an occupational health and safety committee in a garment factory to teach and and they will put in a grant and say we have this specific occupational health and safety need i can't think of it a specific example but um we're getting exposures to cotton dust we don't have a disease in the united states anymore called bisonosis when was the last time you heard of a bisonosis? Never heard of it. <laughs> right? It's an old one from textile mills and cotton dust. In fact, we used to have uh, textile mills in the United States. Yeah. When they used yeah. to have. Well, actually, you have a garment industry. <laughs> <laughs> right. But if you go to Bangladesh or uh, a number of countries in Asia, Pakistan, India, etc., bisonosis is a real live disease. So people will, uh, maybe they don't even know that word, bisonosis. <laughs> Admittedly, I'd never heard of it. Never before, heard so of it. It just popped into my <laughs> head. Popped into my head. Hey, what have I forgotten? Right? So that's that's something. It's that no longer forgotten now, Lawrence. It's no longer <laughs> forgotten. But that's the kind of thing that you get from talk doing a mentoring. Sure. That's the kind of stuff that, mm -hmm. it's not arcane knowledge. It's, r it's real knowledge that <laughs> we don't have in front of our face. So a, l a workers' health and safety committee might be talking about that. What can we do, right? Mm -hmm. And they will, send in, they will send in a proposal and say, we want um, $200 over the next year to find a way to prevent that exposure. Yeah. Right? Really cool. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a small amount of money for them. It's a lot. It's huge. Very and meaningful. The benefits that they get at knowledge mm -hmm. are much are, are even higher. This is a, these are astounding programs that are that AIHA AIHA has mm -hmm. um, in place, and they're serious. They're vetted. They're followed through. We have dedicated people in in the International Affairs Committee and the Microgrants Committee who follow these things through. Yes. What can the membership uh, of AHA do to help your committee, right? Your International mm -hmm. Affairs Committee, because obviously your committee is you're doing all this work, but you you can't you can't be the sole source of mm -hmm. any of these initiatives. You need help. Yes, exactly. Okay. Cool. So um, I, I have some some ideas, Lawrence, and you can jump in. Um, so first, uh, I'm Lawrence mentioned it before. Um, it's just to become a mentor. 
um, you know, because there's especially like for students, there are a lot of students um, from different like, countries that come to the United States to, you know, to have a career. And in this case, from occupational health and safety. So they just want somebody to to back them up to to help them so um there are many people or the membership here has a lot of knowledge and then maybe you know uh, many of us are very busy but some of us like towards retirement or so sort like they will they will have the time to like you know mentor um this young professional sure. so that they they can have uh, you know some tools and resources and i've been talking with students um international here within with the aic and every time i talk to them they feel so happy and so grateful that um, the interaction and, you know, they have questions and um, it's all about like uh, gathering with resources and networking and they feel so relieved um, that they, they've heard of somebody with experience um, in the field. And the other thing that I was going to point out, um, also what they what the members can do um, is like if there's an open call. Um, from from any project from the International Affairs Committee or an, an international outreach overall, you know, to just, you know, if you're interested, I mean, there's, there's many people that, that like to, to, to promote the uh, professional worldwide. So that's a good opportunity to, like, reach out and say, oh, wow, okay, and respond to that open call. So what do you think, Lawrence? What I think is, is that, the field of occupational environmental health and safety, we're a friendly profession. We're people, we, we all have a technical, extraordinary technical base, but we're not limited to that technical stuff because we work with people, so mm -hmm. we're friendly. Yes. We open doors for young professionals. We open doors for experienced professionals. Who need to upgrade the up, upgrade upgrade their knowledge? The International Affairs Committee. We're not just concerned with outreach into the developing nations. We're also concerned with the fact that major U.S. corporations are part of the international economy. Yes. That, that, that's sure. a given, well, right? Mm -hmm. it's a, mm -hmm. That's a given. They've got branch plants all over the world. Branch plants typically, branch plants typically apply the same health and safety standards we have in developing countries to their operations over in other countries. Typically, mm -hmm. not always. Yeah, you're saying that they they apply their their standards so that they use maybe in the U.S. in the other countries. So to abroad, the, abroad, yeah. right, because they have that. That's their corporate. That's corporate policy, policy. typically. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, That's typically. Yeah. Typically, mm -hmm. they, they do. now. Why do they do that? Well, they have to do it because they have share owners and they have liabilities here, mm -hmm. and a good corporation does not want to pass that liability and make people in another country sick. They don't want to do that. The good ones. It happens the opposite. So we, in the AIHA. All our members of the corporate community have a resource in the International Affairs Committee and with our partner organizations like mm -hmm. the Occupational Hygiene Training Association, Workplace Health Without Borders, Developing World, Out Developing World Outreach Initiative, uh, the Macchiadora Network. Our partners have connections. 
mm-hmm. elsewhere too. And we work to coordinate all those efforts. So corporate members of the AAHA who have operations abroad can come to us for resources to help them educate their own workers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Makes sense. Makes sense. A- any other any other points that we, we should cover here? Like another other yeah, points? Yeah, yeah, is, is there any other bullet points that you have there? Cause I, oh, can't, I can't read yeah. it from here. So <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Um, I mean, we can we can share some success stories, um, right, Lawrence? Everybody loves a success yes, story. You know, yes. Even though bad news travels better, yeah. um, you know, positive news is uh, uplifting. Yeah, yeah. So um, you have one, Lawrence? I have one. Go. You go first. <laughs> so um, the International Affairs Committee um, has uh, this, this um, desire of giving back. Um, so we is, we're reaching out through the sister organizations um, to to talk about it, what what are the needs within that country, um, you know. Uh, as I said in Guatemala, that was a fantastic event um, because um, the IOHA was was there, which is um, another organization. International Occupational Hygiene uh, Association. Yes, um, it was there, um, and then the AIHA was there. And also the the organizations, these are organizations within Latin America, um, from uh, Colombia, Mexico, um, yeah, everywhere in Latin America, and it was it was just a, a good start of great things. Um, it was very very well attended. Um, plus, uh, like it, it, the participants were like two hundred or more, which is fantastic. Okay. Yes. So, um, and it, it was just so it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, meeting with everybody there um, to me is a success story um, because it, it, as I said, it, it, a lot of things, good things, will come from that, and it's in Latin America. And that's in Latin America, so let's let's talk to touch on that for a moment. Um, we had a um, what we call the town hall mm-hmm. earlier this year. Um, we had sixty international attendees from all continents except uh, a couple of frozen continents. This is a virtual town hall or in person? It's a virtual, virtual. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah participants from uh, 60 different countries. Uh, portions uh, were bilingual. Lucinette gave her uh, her portion in Spanish and in English. English. Uh-huh. Yesterday we had a, a, a substantial uh, annual business meeting of the mm-hmm. International Affairs Committee. I don't have the final count, but based on appreciation of the room, we pro- we had 60 to 80 people in the room. And one person, a new attendee, asked a question. Um, what about language? Suppose somebody doesn't, is not uh, fluent in the language we're using in this room, English. The answer was, we commit that anyone who wants to participate can communicate in their own language, and we will find a way to make that a universal language. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting question because we really sure. hadn't. And then uh, our 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 past chair from uh, Belgium, his name is Stephen Verpali. Verpali said, ah, you know, we tr- we run into this all the time in Europe." So we're having we're having a conference in Europe, and uh, we're using English because it's a little more l- 
universal than some other language. But people from Poland were participating, and they weren't fluent, particularly fluent in English. And they wanted to drop out. And we created a situation where they could speak Polish, and we translated and got the stuff across. We're an international affairs committee. And we have a commitment from AIHA leadership to create a world that is safe and healthy for mm -hmm. workers. Language is not a problem. Right, well, or language is a problem, and we will overcome it. Right, it's, yeah. it's not, you're not allowing it to be a barrier. That's mm -hmm. correct. Right. Yes, and from an AIHA standpoint, um, they're acknowledging that as well. So the resources that we have um, for international, the free of cost or like very, very discounted prices, um, we're starting to offer it in different languages, right? And then... We have a presence online uh, with uh, the web one of one of the pages is completely in Spanish. So and then the the different um, documents and literature that we have t some tools they've been translating not only in Engl in Spanish but also um, Chinese and Portuguese and it. so so AIHA it's it's also on on that path. Mm -hmm. The role of the occupational hygienist in a pandemic is in three or four languages now. English, Portuguese, Spanish, um, maybe one other. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Portuguese. So now that's not just Brazil. That goes Portuguese. to Angola. Mm. Okay. So we have a commitment. AIHA has a commitment. The board has been fantastic. They support our initiatives. Mm -hmm. So from top down. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's certainly... Impressive and essential, right? And mm -hmm. If you don't have that support, you're not going to be able to drive, you know, drive this forward. Drive mm -hmm. Our International Affairs Committee has won Outstanding Committee Award a number of years in a row. Yes. And we also, I have to throw in a couple of other things. We recognize our own. We recognize our own. We just awarded one of the profession's outstanding persons, Lydia Renton. We developed a Lydia Renton Award in her name. Wow. Lydia um, uh, has this ex a very long history of selfless voluntarism. Extraordinary modest person for all the work she's done. At our international uh, reception last night, our current chair clanged the glass and 60 or 80 or 120 people stopped their drinking and their hors d'oeuvre taking and uh, congratulated her. And Lydia came back with an extraordinary statement. The height of professional development is giving back through volunteerism. Extra that's, so that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. That's what Lucinet does. That's what I try to do. That's what our members do on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. In addition to working hard. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And, and, and again, what you're doing is, I think, essential to, to bringing, you know, improving standards, workplace standards globally. Mm -hmm. And that's super important. Most people know that there's this thing called the World Health Organization and the International Labor Organization. 
International Labor Organization has existed since 1919. It was now comes one of the first iterations of the League of Nations and the United Nations Organization. They've been basically, since 1919, um, workers and social rights like um, equal wages for equal no discrimination, no discrimination in the workplace, stuff like that. One year ago, just about one year ago, they came up with a fifth convention, the right to a safe and healthy workplace. That is now inscribed into international law. Nice. And the United States, country that I come from, Canada, most countries of the world are signatories to that. The right to a safe and healthy workplace is an international legal standard that the United States has signed on to. That provides great inspiration for us in our mm -hmm. work and a solid background to what we do. Absolutely. So, Lawrence, Lucinette, thanks very much for joining us here on this special edition of Healthier Workplaces. Yes, thank you so much. Sh everybody shake hands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back again with another episode of Healthier Workplaces. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy. Yeah.